Welcome back to the live streaming show from NAB Floor, brought to you by Teradec. Now we've got a really, really interesting panel. I think anybody who's at NAB 2014 would agree that 4K Ultra HD is the big hit of the show. It was here at last year's NAB, but people had a sense that it wasn't quite real. I think this year people know that it's real and it's inevitable. Well, I've brought together a group of people for whom 4K has been a reality for a year. So let's start off first with Curtis Clark, ASC. Chris Clark, ASC, cinematographer, and amongst other things, I chair the ASC Technology Committee. Right, so you've been following Ultra HD 4K for quite a while, I presume. Since its inception. Since its inception. Inception so, in terms of lease proposal. So talk to us a little bit about um, your work on it and um, you know how real it's become. I mean, first of all, are the cameras really there? Uh, the cameras are there. There are some cameras there. It's not all cameras, not all cameras are created equal. Uh, but there are cameras out there, especially the Sony F65, which is, a, I think, a flagship example of you know, superb 4K image capture. Actually, it's an 8K camera from which you can derive a, a meticulous, amazing 4K image. And it's not just the resolution, it's also the bit depth, the color bit depth, 16-bit depth of color, which is very, very important. Put those two things together, and you have a phenomenal palette from which to be able to design and manage and manipulate your creative images now, in a 4K environment. Now I know you've worked quite a bit with Sony to mm -hmm. make that camera really ready for prime time and you've also shot with it, correct? Yes, I have. So talk yeah. a little bit about your experiences. I mean, what is it like to shoot with it? Is it exactly like, you know, was it a, was it a learning curve? Um, there's always a learning curve anytime you do something you haven't done before. So there's always a first time, but I, I was well prepped so I kind of had a pretty good idea what to experience for the first time I used it, about two years ago, actually. And to me, the exciting part about it is that we could have a camera that actually performed like a film camera. I could treat it like shooting film, knowing that I had a similar kind of dynamic range to work with, 14 stops, let's say, that I had an amazingly rich color bit depth that I could work with as well, so that when I was planning and designing shots that could take advantage of that, I knew that I would be able to and didn't have to worry about whether or not I was going to clip my highlights or crush my shadows. I knew I'd have all that information. And of course, working with ColorWorks, which I did in the, the, the color grading of it, you know, was the, the security blanket that I knew I had to make sure that all those things would be implemented properly because you know, not all facilities have yet come up to speed with 4K. And then the other element to that, which isn't really what you asked, but also is an important part of this, is ACES, the Academy Color Encoding System. Yes, let's talk which about is ACES. A, which uh, is why do you explain what ACES is first? Well, it's a uh, color management system and image interchange framework that has standardized the process so that you have known transforms between log and linear, and it's uh, all the way through to your final display, and it's invertible so that you can actually go back to scene referenced images. That's the key thing. Um, you don't clip or, or, or crush anything. You don't uh, lose any information in data. And then when you, if you have this very big bucket of information that you've captured, and you have this very big bucket of information that you've rendered, you need to display it. So ACES makes the provision for an output device transform. I know this is getting a little technical, but no, an no, ODT no. Our, our that actually maps, uh -huh. that maps the rendered ACES to the specific display device uh, color space. So you have to do a transform from the ACES color space into the color space of the display device, which would be P3 for digital cinema, Rec. 709 for HD, right. and the Rec. 2020 when it eventually arrives. Mm -hmm. 
Well, I do want to talk a little bit. I know that I've been over at the Sony lot and there was a, you lit a set there, correct? Mm -hmm. For use with the F65. And the F55. And the F55. Talk a little bit about, you know, I remember the early days of HD when that caused oh. a tremendous amount of upheaval about how things looked uh, through an HD camera. Talk a little bit about lighting and the look of 4K and, you know, how, you've, how you work with that. Well, it's interesting. The transition from standard def is what you're talking about to HD was yes. a paradigm shift, Huge. but it was still within the video parameter. It was just an enhanced version of a video signal. Moving to 4K, and we're talking about capturing raw data, we're not necessarily any longer in constrained by video parameters. We're now in what I call digital motion picture parameters. So we're dealing with digital data that is not uh, within the context of a video signal. So that's new, and a lot of people confuse the two. They think it's digital, it's therefore video. And the cameras have their lineage in video origins, you know, because HD is a video platform. And a lot of people in the early days when there was the Genesis and people were making movies with the Genesis, that was 1920, 1080 HD, Rec 709 right. probably, but then converted to P3 for your final distribution. Now we have the ability to capture data very similar to scanned film. So imagine shooting 35 millimeter film, scanning in 4K or 6K, but certainly having a 4K result from which to then work with. And I've just recently had that uh, uh, example of this privilege of working with Scott here um, on a film that Sonny remastered, a, a film that I shot many which years ago. Which film was that? Alamo Bay. Uh-huh. And okay. it, was a, it was a wonderful film, and uh, they decided to uh, remaster it and scan it again from the original NEG using ACES, ADX, 16-bit. And Scott can talk a little bit about the, the power of that in terms of the epiphany that I had when I saw it, because I was there as an original creator, and now here, in, you know, many years later, seeing what the new technology is able to do to extract all that information that was there in the original negative that we couldn't fully make use of at the time, mm -hmm. because even with an answer print, there were limitations. But now we've gone beyond that, and that's very exciting. So I'm now going back to the digital camera and saying that it's like having that scanned negative with all that rich information of uh, dynamic range with 14 stops and color bit depth that give me that same flexibility and that same set of uh, parameters that I would have if I had shot with film. You know, it's so interesting because I remember the very earliest days of uh, being in the American Society of Cinematographers mm -hmm. Clubhouse mm -hmm. and people really um, saying how HD was not at all comparable to film. There just wasn't enough wasn't. resolution or bit depth. They is were right. Is 4K <laughs> enough? Have we yeah, arrived? I think we have. I mean, I, you know, it's not like I'm saying 4K is the it's the end of the road and we'll never go beyond it. But 4K is a it's four times 2K. So you have to digest that for a minute. Four times the spatial resolution of 2K. We have to make sure that we have an imaging chain, a full workflow that can handle 4K first, including display, before we make the the next quantum leap to 8K right. or whatever that might be. I'm not saying that won't and shouldn't come but I'd, I'd love to see a consolidation of uh, 4K so everyone is comfortable with what it does and then use that as a, as a more solid platform from which to then migrate to 8K. Because, you know, right now, the most that we have in digital center projection is 4K. The most we're going to have in the foreseeable future for uh, television, consumer television and home theater, is going to be uh, quad HD, 3840 by 2160. Right. So, 
I'm not sure when you can anticipate an 8K television. I'm not sure when you can anticipate pervasive 8K digital cinema. So let's take this a step at a time and be grateful that we've got to the 4K level. And it is very real, very significant, very important to have all that extra spatial resolution to mix with color bit depth to give a more filmic flexibility. Well, I think that's it's wonderful, and I think the images off 4K cameras are, by and large, pretty fantastic, but it, it means nothing at all unless you can actually work with them through the post-production right. flow. Right, right. And, and you have the people here that know how to do that. And we have the people here that do that. So, right. Scott, why don't you introduce yourself and talk a little bit about what you're doing at okay, ColorWorks. Okay, I'm Scott O-O-O-Strowski. I'm a senior colorist at ColorWorks on the Sony lot, and I work with 4K every day, all day long. Um, I work with either the DPX files or I work with the ADX files as in the case of Alamo Bay. And I can tell you, in working with it for the past four and a half years, that 4K is a revelation over HHD. And let me tell you why. First off, when you see a 4K frame and you see the original negative, I'm not talking about off an intermediate, I'm talking about off of a 4K negative, it is startling what the image con 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 contains. Not only as far as color goes, but as far as the, 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 the resolution of it. Curtis told us about the technical end of it. Let me tell you about the actual practical end of working with it. Um, the first thing that I noticed is the richness that I'm able to create as far as color timing it and, and balancing it out. And I, I, kept, I kept looking at it, and it gave me, as a, a colorist, the ability to dig out every nuance of lightness, of darkness, of, of shadow, of, of color within the, the element itself. And so I'm color, I'm, I'm color timing these movies, and then at once I'm done, the DP or the director or the producer, somebody comes in and the reaction I get is this. Because they've never seen the element in its native for form. They've only seen it on either an answer print from, from, from dailies or just, or just an answer print. And that's a generation down. And when the viewer at home went to, went to see a feature film, they saw a negative that was timed to an IP which they made an inner negative of, and then they made a print, so it was four generations down. Right. When you watch a digital cinema representation of a movie, you're watching it in its rawest, most perfect state. And we painstakingly clean every frame, we make sure it is presented in the most uh, um, wide gamut, wonderful presentation possible. I mean, it's, I agree with you. I remember the first time I saw 4K images, it was very emotional almost. It was mm -hmm. as if something that we'd been evolving towards for decades, really, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. arrived the word, at. The word immersive is sometimes used, but there's a visceralness to experiencing right. it because you've got so much more detail to be able to utilize. And one very good example is, uh, I, I take that example if I can, without digressing too much. Uh, when they remastered Lawrence of Arabia at, at Sony. Spectacular. That, that's a really interesting case in point because now you're able to understand the value of what those film images really did produce. And you can imagine, would David Lean have um, been thrilled to have 
enhanced spatial detail and resolution and all those wide shots with the texture of the sand and the ability to stage those scenes, choreograph those scenes that were sustained for a long period of time on the screen. We were emotionally and viscerally engaged with that film because of the way he designed his shots yes. and made use of those kinds of imaging attributes. Absolutely. Yeah. So Mike, um, can you introduce yourself and uh, can you talk a little bit about workflow? I mean, all the different pieces of the puzzle that make this actually a reality. Okay. Um, Mike Whipple, Michael correct? Whipple from and Sony And your title Pic is? Director of Post-Production Technologies for Sony Pictures Colorworks. So you're really responsible for the making sure that the entire workflow fits together, is that? Yeah, my team and I are responsible for that. So, is it's apparently working. Yeah, well, I guess that's what I was going to say, is the question raised earlier is, is it real? And I'd say yes. Um, Sony Pictures formed Colorworks, what was it, four years ago? They formed it about in, in June of 2009 was when okay. Colorworks was, officially became yeah, Colorworks. It was founded in June of 2009 <laughs> as a facility to create 4K uh, motion pictures from its founding and that kind of gave us a boost um, because we didn't have to deal with a lot of the things that people dealt with with older systems that were designed for 2K or HD. Um, so yeah, like basically when we started there were only one or two vendors that could handle the 4K or any of the higher bit depths that we needed to work with and nowadays uh, most every like color correction or editorial vendor they're all now working with 4K, so I'd say it's real. Um, Talk about the various parts. I mean, I'm, you know, who are the vendors that are supplying gear that fit in this 4K okay. pipeline um, that you've got? Let me, we've been working with Filmlight since we first opened. Um, Filmlight, I would say, is the first uh, software color corrector that could handle 4K. Um, it's an extremely powerful system works at very high bit depths, um, works internally at 16-bit float, and that's actually one of the things that goes along with what they were talking about, is ADX is 16-bit. Um, so you, as comparison to 10-bit, which has 1024 steps, you have six, over 65,000 different gradations between white and black. Um, so we have a tremendous amount of range. Point in terms of 16-bit versus 10-bit, <laughs> You have a certain set of code values over that dynamic range, so you have roughly 1019, 1019 usable code values. <coughs> if you jump to 16 bits, you have 65,536, I think, code values over that same range. So you can just imagine the gradations and the nuances of tonality and color that you're able to work with per color is mm -hmm. infinitely exponentially greater, so what enables what Scott was talking about is to take full advantage of those uh, technology advances. And I'm glad you brought that up because everybody is so focused on resolution and yet high dynamic range is obviously probably, do you consider it as key? Uh, well, we have to say two things when we talk about dynamic range. Dynamic range is the dynamic range that the, initially the camera can capture you know, from the deepest shadow to the brightest highlight, and retain that without clipping or crushing. And then you have this new extended definition of high dynamic range, meaning you still have that same dynamic range, but by increasing the screen brightness, the highlights start to become more dimensional. Mm -hmm. The EDR, uh, uh, Dolby Vision uh, agenda, which takes existing, can take existing 
high dynamic range material and then represent it through the EDR system that actually extends the brightness and definition of the highlight areas. That's where it's most notable, and I've had some experiences with that recently. And if I could add something Please to do. that. Um, what ColorWorks is, is basically a facility that is designed to do 4K work and above. We never started with HD, we never started with 2K, it was a 4K workflow from day one. And the beauty of that is that we are able to handle any project, no matter if it's 65 um, scans, um, whether it's 35 scans, we can handle any, any variants. And one thing that Grover Chris Group does at Sony is when they do a scan, they future-proof it. So every scan that they do, they scan it it's at 16-bit. At now what that means is that when a 16-bit color system finally comes into play, they may have to clean the negative again, but we've already timed it. We'll have to do a trim pass on it, on it, but it's there. So it's just the cleaning and a quick trim pass, and it's there. And it just means that you're going to see deeper, richer, finer colors and detail within that, that image. Well, yeah. I love Grover Crisp's work. He's the one at Sony who's responsible for restoring some of the classic, classic mm -hmm. movies right. in the vault, right. such Barnes as Arabia. Lawrence of Arabia, right. a Taxi Driver. Taxi Driver. So yeah. many of them, and 4K has clearly been a tremendous boon to, mm -hmm. to well, restoration. I was right? just going to say, I think that's, we were in a pretty unique situation, Scott and I, because basically, we were working with a studio that wanted to basically invest in their library assets, like with Grover, but basically we could have done it 2K, we could have done it 10-bit, but the, there's not as much long-term value in that. So basically, not only did we just do a huge number of 4K titles, but basically we prepped all the data um, and we used methodologies that will allow us to be ready for when things like HDR come up. Like I, it's not going to be a total redo from right. scratch, like a traditional remaster. We're basically, well, we're ready to find out what happens when we start getting displays. And you know, I think that's to me the exciting promise of 4K. We've been in this kind of space for so long of not really having uh, a way to replace film. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, film is is dying. Unfortunately. Unfortunately, <laughs> I totally agree. And um, archival yeah. aspect is a whole area that we don't have time to get into now. But I, it, it, to me, it's very heartening to see that a, a company such as Sony Colorworks puts its mind to 4K and obviously has a very fluent pipeline for production and post. Well, one yeah. of the things we want to be certain of is before that fateful day comes when film is no longer an option for shooting, that we want to have digital camera capture that's capable of capturing everything we would have captured on film, even though we don't have it, so we can still use all those imaging attributes that we used to use with film or would use with film in terms of look and feel uh, with you know sufficient uh, tool sets that can handle it and, and brilliant colorists and, and managers like Michael that can actually ensure that we can confidently maintain our creative vision and, and not be handicapped by not using film. And I think we are there at the stage with the cameras. We're beginning to, we have that. Able to pre, pre pre preserve what the filmmaker wanted. Right. That's the basic the basic premise and and con, con, con conclusion is right. that we need to make sure the filmmakers still keep their content the way that they wanted it, but just in a in a in a more real state. It becomes a a visceral, almost tactile tactile feeling just seeing it up there. It's, it's preserving creative intent right. as if we were shooting with film, but even now maybe going even beyond that. 
because mm -hmm. film, you know, did have limitations. And there's some that's a different conversations about what the differences are between, say, the high advanced digital cinema cameras today versus film. But right. there are differences, and there are some pros and cons as to each system. But if we have a digital camera system, uh, digital motion picture camera that's able to capture all the information that we know we could have expected to get from film, then we're in a comfort level of being able to preserve it and use it to both design our creative vision and implement it. And most importantly, you have to be able to implement it. Because you can design the best vision in the world, but if, you're not, if you don't have the tool sets to actually realize it, then it's a moot point. Well, exactly, yeah. and I think that you're right that you know, Sony was clearly you know, a pioneer in terms yeah. of creating this end-to-end -end 4K workflow. And I think it's very heartening, we can say you know, to our audience uh, that's watching this live streaming show, yes, 4K is quite real, yes. and it's an end-to-end -end pipeline, and yes. um, if Sony can do it, let's see that um, who's going to be following in this coming year. Right. Thank you so much for joining us and letting us know about uh, 4K production and post. Thanks Pleasure. for having us. Thanks for having Thank us, you very Deborah. much. Thanks. Have a wonderful show. Okay. Thank you. Okay. You Thanks. too. Bye -bye.